Welcome to Abergavenny Baptist Church. Life, faith, together. The Bible reading is from Genesis chapter 45 and verses 1 to 11. A reading from the book of Genesis. Then Joseph could no longer control himself before all his attendants and cried out, Has everyone left my presence? So there was no one with Joseph when he made himself known to his brothers. And he wept so loudly that the Egyptians heard him, and Pharaoh's household heard about it. Joseph said to his brothers, I am Joseph. Is my father still living? But his brothers were not able to answer him, because they were terrified at his presence. Then Joseph said to his brothers, Come close to me. When they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now... Do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now there has been famine in the land and for the next five years there will be no ploughing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here but God. He made me the father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household and ruler of all Egypt. Now hurry back to my father and say to him, this is what your son Joseph says. God has made me lord of all Egypt. Come down to me. Don't delay. You shall live in the region of Goshen and be near me. You, your children and grandchildren, your flocks and herds and all you have. I will provide for you there because five years of famine are still to come. Otherwise, you and your household and all who belong to you will become destitute. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. When we were looking at the questions, why is there suffering and why does God not always answer our prayers? One of the points I made is that part of the answer is because we have free will. God has given us free will, so we have the freedom to choose to obey God or disobey God, and that leads to some very real consequences. But I also said that we have a hope. We have a hope because God is still in control, ultimately in control and directing history. But, but how does that work? How can God, on the one hand, be in control and, and directing and leading history while at the same time we have free will? How, how does that work? And so today we continue in our series, Questions of Faith, and, and today's question is, how can God be in control if we have free will? And of course there's a bit of a mystery over here, and it's what the... Theologians would call the providence of God. The idea that God is ultimately in control, steering history through all the free choices we make. That God is working behind the scenes. And this is wonderfully illustrated in the life of Joseph. A quick recap of the story of Joseph. You will remember Jacob had 12 sons. And Jacob basically messes up his family because he's a bad father. He shows favoritism to Joseph. 
Joseph is his blue-eyed boy, and, and everybody knows it. He even has this outrageous coat made to measure for Joseph, you know, that amazing technicolor dream coat, while the rest of his brothers get hand-me-downs. And so his brothers can see the favoritism in full color. And uh, then he has these dreams. He has this dream where his 11 brothers bow down to him. And then he has this dream where it's not only his 11 brothers, but even his mom and dad bow down to him and worship him. Now it's one thing to have these dreams... It's another thing to tell everyone as soon as you wake up. And his brothers can smell the prospect of their spoiled younger brother ruling over them. And that's the last thing they want in the world. So one day while they're out in the field, they, do, they attack Joseph. And they decide to kill Joseph. But one of his brothers, Judah, comes up with a cunning plan on how they can actually make money in this situation. And they sell Joseph, rather than killing him, they sell Joseph as a slave to some slave traders. It's the ancient equivalent of eBay, excepting with 99% negative feedback. And so these slave traders take Joseph off to Egypt and they sell him as a slave in Egypt where things just get even worse for Joseph. He gets falsely accused by his slave owner's wife and he ends up in prison. And then there's this remarkable turn of events. While Joseph is in prison, Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, has these dreams. He has these dreams where seven thin cows eat seven fat cows, and seven thin wheat grains of wheat eat seven fat grains of wheat. And no one in Egypt can interpret these dreams except Joseph. And Joseph explains to Pharaoh that these dreams mean that there will be seven years, seven good years of bumper crops, followed by seven years of famine and drought. As a result, Pharaoh makes Joseph his prime minister. He's now in charge of the whole of Egypt, which is the most powerful country at that time. It's the superpower of the time. And Joseph immediately spends all his time collecting and storing as much food as possible so that when the seven years of famine come, They've got enough food to feed all of Egypt and the whole known world. And during the time of famine, one of the families who come to Egypt is Joseph's 11 brothers. And an incredible turn of events, we have Joseph's brothers bowing down before Joseph. They don't recognize him, they don't realize who it is, so they bow down before him and they ask for some food. And so they actually fulfill Joseph's God-given dream. After a while, Joseph reveals who he is. And they are naturally shocked and terrified. But Joseph reassures them in Genesis chapter 45 and verses 4 to 5. And he says, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here 
Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. And so this obviously raises the question, who sent Joseph to Egypt? Was it his brothers who sent him to Egypt? Or was it God? Or was it both? And, and what is the relationship between God being in control of things and the free will of Joseph's brothers? At the end of the book of Genesis, in Genesis chapter 15, verse 20, Joseph once again reassures his brothers and he says, You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. What we discover here is that God works through our free will choices. God even works through our evil choices to work out His good plans and purposes of salvation. That's what the providence of God is. God working through our free will choices. Now, what exactly is the providence of God? Well, firstly, it's not fate. Fate is the idea that everything is preset, prearranged, predetermined. You may think you have free will, but you don't. God has already predetermined exactly what you would do and when you would do it. So Joseph's brothers might have felt that they freely chose to send Joseph to Egypt as a slave, but they didn't. It was all predetermined. Well, of course, in Genesis chapter, four and ver uh, 40, chapter 45 and verse 4, makes it abundantly clear that they did send Joseph to Egypt. They, had, they freely chose to send Joseph to Egypt, and so they are morally responsible. They had free will, they exercised their free will, they are morally responsible. So it's not fate. Secondly, it's not chance. Chance is the belief that there is no rhyme or reason, no plan or purpose in life, and that everything is just random chance. Richard Dawkins says, in a universe of blind physical forces and genetic replication, some people are going to get hurt. Other people are going to get lucky. And you won't find any rhyme or reason in it or any justice it's just blind chance. Now, of course, there is an element of truth to what Richard Dawkins is saying. We, a lot of what happens in life is just down to chance. Because we live in a fallen world where people have free will. And people make 
very real choices that have very real consequences. Sometimes dire consequences because we make bad choices, evil choices. And all our choices intersect with everyone else's choices. And so there's a lot of chance at play. But just because chance is at play within the world, it doesn't mean it's the only thing that is at play within the world. You see, it was by chance that Joseph ended up in Egypt as a slave because his brothers, by chance, freely chose to commit that evil. That's what he says. You intended to harm me. So chance is at play. But then he immediately says, but God intended it for good. So chance is not the only thing that is at play. God is also at work. God is working behind the scenes and working through all the free choices we make to work out his good plans and purposes for the world. That's the providence of God. And so on the one hand, it can, it, it can feel like everything that's happening in the world is chaotic, that it's meaningless, that it's just random chance. But through all our free choices, God is still at work, steering history in a certain direction and working out his good plans to bring blessing to restore humanity, to restore the whole world, the whole cosmos, to bring about a new heaven and a new earth where everything is done just the way it should be. And so God's plans and purposes are not like a pre-written script that we simply cannot deviate from. We don't become these pre-programmed robots that simply can't deviate from what we've been programmed to do. That's fate. That's fatalism. Rather, I kind of think of God's plans and purposes like the satellite navigation system in your car. You know, it, it calculates the route to your destination. It's the best route. It's the quickest route. It's the safest route. And, and then off we go, but we think we know better. And so we veer off route and turn down some other road. And so God recalculates to get us back on route. And then we veer off again and recalculates again. And then God recalculates again and again. And eventually we will get to our destination. We might have taken a lot of wrong turns, a lot of detours. We might have taken the longest route possible. We might have had some consequences along the way, been stuck in a traffic jam having to do a U-turn, but God will get us to our final destination. And every time we take a wrong turn, God goes, oh, I've got that covered, and recalculates. And God, of course, knows every possible choice you could ever make. Just like the satellite navigation system knows every single road, that you could possibly turn down. God knows every single possible choice you could make. And doesn't matter what choice you make, God's got it covered. He can recalculate the route, get you to your final destination. You may take the long route, you may take the difficult route, 
But God's got it covered. He will work out his plans through all our free choices. And of course, God knows, well, also God knows what he's going to do. God absolutely knows what he's going to do. And, 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 and he may block a couple of roads <laughs> and limit your choices. He may intervene at times, as he does in Jesus, and as he will at the end of time. So God absolutely knows what he's going to do. But God also knows you intimately. And so God kind of knows in advance what you're going to choose. Like when I say to Hannah, which cup would you like? Hannah, what cup would you like? I know she's going to choose the yellow cup. She always chooses the yellow cup. God knows us intimately, and so he knows what we're most likely going to do. And doesn't matter, but still, there is an openness that we could choose something that might surprise God. Not, not, not in the sense of like, oh no, what am, what am I going to do now? But just in the sense, wow, I didn't expect them to go that way, but no problem, I've got that covered. But we see this with Abraham. It's only once Abraham has actually lifted the knife to kill Isaac. That we read in Genesis chapter 22 and verse 12 that God says, Now I know that you fear God, because you have not withheld from me your son, your only son. Now, of course, God knows Abraham intimately, and so God knows Abraham's going to go through with it, but there's still that possibility that he might not. Very real. That's why it's only after the event that he's able to say, now I know. He could still be surprised, but never in the sense of like, oh no, what am I going to do? But only in the sense of, I didn't expect that. Oh, I didn't expect you to go that way, but I've got it covered. And, and again, we see this with, with the story of Esther. With, uh, so it's God's plan and purpose to use Esther to rescue the Jews. But if Esther chooses not to help, we're told in Esther chapter 4 and verse 14 that God would raise up someone else. God would use someone else. He's got this covered. He's got this covered. God's going to work out his plans one way or another. But he's going to work out his good plans of salvation. And so through all our free choices, God is still at work, steering history in a certain direction and working out his good plans to bring blessing. And that's the providence of God. Now getting back to the story of Joseph, it's important to note that God does not commit evil. God does not will the evil, does not cause the evil. He's not the author of evil. The brothers are. It says very clearly, they intended to harm me. They were the ones who were the authors of evil. So we must never blame God for the evil in the world. However, God works through their evil intentions. God subverts their evil intentions to bring about good. But this is no excuse for their evil. 
Just because God is going to use their evil to bring about even a greater good doesn't mean what they did was okay. It's not okay. It's wrong. It's evil. It's no excuse. The sure fact that Joseph ends up as prime minister of Egypt, one of the most powerful men in the whole world, is no compensation for the fact that he suffered on the evil they caused Joseph. He spent most of his life not knowing the love of his mother and his father. He spent most of his life as a slave and in prison. He suffered. We should never belittle someone suffering by saying things like, Oh, don't worry about that. God will work out a greater good. We should never say that. And it doesn't mean that just because God works it works out things for good, doesn't mean that in every single event, that in every single evil, that God has a divine purpose and plan for that. It's kind of like if you're driving along and you get every single traffic light red, and then you come to the conclusion, well, God obviously wanted me to be late for that meeting. It's not like there's a divine purpose and intention in every single event, and particularly not in every single evil, but collectively, through all things... God is still working out his good plans and purposes to bring blessing. What is that good that God is trying to bring about? What was that good? Was the good that Joseph become rich, famous, and powerful? And was that kind of compensation for what he went through? No. The good is the saving of many lives. The first life that God is saving is Joseph's life. God subverts the evil intentions of his brothers to form the character of Joseph. God uses the evil intention of Joseph's brothers to transform this very cocky, arrogant, spoiled brat into a very wise, humble leader who not only has enough wisdom to administer a global famine relief project, but also has the humility to forgive his brothers. God used the evil of Joseph's brothers to remove the evil in Joseph's heart, to remove his selfishness. And what we discover here is that God is more concerned about our character than he is about our comfort. when we go through hardships and difficulties, we need to be aware that God is still with us and God can use those hardships to form and develop our character, to remove that evil in our heart, that selfishness in our heart, so we can become the people God created us to be. So don't waste your hardships. But of course, the saving of many lives is primarily refer, referring to the global famine relief project that Joseph administers. This global relief project doesn't merely save Joseph's family, but saves the whole of Egypt and, in fact, the whole known world. Joseph becomes a type of global savior 
that brings blessing to the whole world. That was the plan that God was working. And isn't it amazing how God can take the worst thing that happened to Joseph, being sent into slavery in Egypt, and turn it to be the biggest blessing for Egypt and the whole known world. In a similar way, God takes the worst thing that ever happened to Jesus, the cross, and turns it into the biggest blessing for us and the whole world. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 23, it says this, Jesus delivered up by the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you executed by nailing to a cross through the help of lawless men. You see, it was the evil intentions of the Jewish religious leaders helped by Pontius Pilate and the Roman soldiers that they crucified Jesus to a cross. But yet God subverts their evil intentions to bring about salvation. They intended it for evil. God intended it for good, the saving of many lives. And God is still at work today, working out his plans of salvation. He's working behind the scenes. He is working through all our free choices. And he's steering history in a certain direction and working out his good plans to bring blessing. And so when life goes wrong and when life kicks We can turn to God. We can trust God. Don't give up. Hang in there. Knowing that God is with you. Knowing that God is still in control. Knowing that God is working behind the scenes to bring about blessing, real blessing, eternal blessing. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you that you are still seated on your throne, that you are still in control. When we reflect on the world and life, often it just feels like it's just blind chance, it's just random, it's chaotic, it's meaningless. Often it feels like there's no rhyme or reason. But Father, we thank you that through all the chaos, through all the free choices, you are still at work. Steering history in its right direction. And you are bringing about new creation and blessing. And so, Father, help us to trust you. Help us to know that you never leave us nor forsake us, that you are always with us. And that you are working behind the scenes to bring about blessing. Not happiness and, and power and wealth and fame, but real blessing. Meaningful blessing and eternal life. We thank you. We thank you for Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening. For more information, please visit our website, abgavenibaptist.co.uk.